Hello and welcome to episode 64 of the Aframeo Driver podcast, brought to you by the Aframeo Owners Club. I'm Guy Swarbrick and with me this afternoon is Peter Smart of Peter Smart Classic Alphas. Good afternoon, Peter. Good afternoon, Guy. So we'll talk about the business later on, but we traditionally start these things by talking about how you got here in the first place. So how did you get interested in Alphas originally? Basically, my dad was an unusual car owner back back in the day when I, when I was younger. And he always had quirky cars and he had Alfa Romeo Julia Sprint GTs when they were current cars. And I traveled around in the back of them as a, as a young child. So, so that's how it stems. I th- think it's also in, in the family as well, because my great grandfather was a, uh, was Italian. So um, it's sort of in the family a little bit as well. Yeah. And, and so your, your father had Alphas. What was your first Alpha? My, <laughs> at the age of 21, I, I'd, I'd had a succession of fast forwards. I'd been through the fast forward era. And uh, my first Alpha was uh, an Alfetta GTV6. It was five years old. So, yeah, it's quite a car for someone at 21 years old. Yeah, absolutely. And how it's always a delicate question to ask given the, the era. But how solid was it at five years old? Bodily, rust-wise, it was it was okay. It wasn't a bad car. It was the mechanical side of them, as as you probably know that the uh, the Busso engines, the early ones in GTV sixes, you know, they did they did tend to smoke after not many, many miles. They suffered with with valve guide wear and stuff. And I have to admit that at the age of twenty one, I I wasn't quite into fixing cars at that point of my career and um, i did spend a lot of money at other garages and stuff yes get it, getting the car fixed <laughs> uh, just just for the benefit of the listeners the noise in the background is uh, ian brookfield who was on an earlier podcast um, <laughs> who is hitting bits of metal with a large hammer uh, so, so how long did you have that car um, I probably had that a couple of years, and actually, there's a, a slightly interesting story on 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 that in terms of the engine rebuild because that actually led me into um, meeting Roberto Giordanelli, who actually only lived literally up the road from me um, where I was living at the time. And yeah, that that sort of then sort of stemmed my interest in going the way of the of my career is now in terms of fixing the cars. And I did work for Roberto for about a year later on in my, you know, probably, well, how long? Probably another six years later, I actually did some work with him. And But he he probably got me into the, the motorsport side of Alfa Romeo's as well. And we'll, we'll definitely talk about that in a minute. So, so that was the first car. Now, for people outside the trade, my next question is is usually to ask them, you know, how many alphas they've had and talk through the history. But every time we have somebody who's who's in the trade, that becomes a a very difficult question to answer. It does, yes, because <laughs> we always seem to end up with with lots of cars over the years. I, I did tend to keep my cars for a for a couple of years. I wasn't one for uh, buying one, running it for a couple of months and then moving on to another one. I did I did hang on to them for a bit. So yeah, after after I'm trying to trying to think after the GTV six, I think I probably slightly downgraded a little bit. I think uh, I then moved on to, um, I think I had a 33 possibly after that, a, a 1.5 gold cloverleaf, if memory serves me right. I then had a very late Julietta RS saloon, the limited edition one they did towards the end. I've had several 75s and then also several 164s as well. So, And, and given your 
your father's ownership history. I know a big part of the business is preparing 105 series cars, but did you eventually end up owning a 105 car? I did, yes. That that sort of moves on how my career's panned out, to be fair, because initially at the age of uh, 19, when I decided to... uh, to actually go out and do some work, I, I I actually went to work for a bank, of all things. Right. And I worked for a bank for, for the first seven years of my life and then took voluntary redundancy from the bank. And that's when I went for the career change and got into the motor trade. Uh, so that I, I, I had a reasonable payoff from the bank and I, I basically started buying and selling old alphas. Um, and yes, I got my first 105 that way. And that actually, it was a 105 that I bought. And actually, for some reason, no one wanted to buy it. And um, at that point, I was thinking of going, wanted to go racing. I'd been watching the Alpha Championship and following them around the various UK circuits and stuff and thought, I'd like to have a go at this. And I ended up converting this this 105 I couldn't sell. <laughs> <laughs> So, so that's a, a nice segue. Talk, talk us through the racing career. When did that start and, and how did it progress? Yeah, I had my first race towards the end of 1994. They, I think it's through the owners club at the time. They were trying to launch a, a, a classic alpha race series. And I did my first ever race was at Castle Coombe in this classic alpha race series. And I drove the car to the circuit and fortunately drove it home again. <laughs> trundled around near the back but uh, no had had great fun and then a few weeks later I went up and, and drove all the way up to Donington Park as well and, and did that so they were the two races I did in 1994 and then in 95 I decided to uh, to get myself a trailer and a tow car and 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 do it a bit slightly more professionally than than driving it and worrying about whether I broke it or not and um yeah, the next two two years I did the what was the Italian Intermark Championship back in '95 and '96, and and actually in '95 I was the Italian Intermark class champion, so that was good. And, and that was was that still in the 105 that you couldn't sell, or was that a, a different car by then? Yeah, that was in my my green. It was green. It was Oliver Verde. It was an unusual colour as well. It wasn't a red one, and I I I had that car and for a number of years. It did end up getting repainted retail red at one point. <laughs> I seem to remember in the late the late nineties. Um, but no, I, I I raced that car on and off, yeah, for probably the next 10, 10 years or so. And then actually, I I I met my current wife and we moved we moved down to Dorset. And the car actually just unfortunately with the business um, sort of moving on a bit then and and having a new home and and family started the the race car sadly got put to one side and it was just sitting there and I thought at the moment I can't see when I'm going to use it again I was a bit short on storage so I advertised it and 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 sold it and always regretted selling it but bizarrely I then went on to sell it a further three or four times to <laughs> various different people because everybody who bought it brought it back to me to sell on their behalf again <laughs> And is that and car, car still is competing? Still, and, and the car, the car is still currently competing with the HSCC in the seventies road sport series. Brilliant, fantastic stuff. The racing took a break then. How how long was it before you were you were back on track? I was back on track probably ooh, early twenty tens. Basically, I bought a seventy five Twin Spark already race prepared car. And I did a few, the classic touring car pre-93 series with that. Had some good fun in that. 
And then I actually bought an old uh, Class F Alpha Sud TI in 2011 from uh, Ian Brookfield that had been languishing in his garage, one of one of his cars. And uh, I then, in 2012, went and did the Classic Touring Cars Group 1 Championship in the Sud TI that I bought and actually won the class with that and finished second overall to a Rover SD1. Brilliant. And, and you're... Still racing now, what nearly thirty years after you after you started. I think I exactly, most recently yeah. saw you out at Festival Italia at Brands Hatch. Yeah, with the with the blue juice Julia Ti now, which again is it was was, a, was already it was a car that I I bought last year. It was offered to me. I I couldn't turn it down. So um, yeah, we we got it. It hadn't been used for quite a number of years as a race car, so we we recommissioned it and got it back on track, and it's. Uh, yeah, it's performing seemed, very seemed well. Seemed to be doing all right. Yeah, that was uh, another class win, I think, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yes, um, I've had a, I've had a few class wins. I've I've done a couple at Brands Hatch with the HSCC and the HRDC. I did a I had a class win at Mallory Park with the HRDC and another class win at Snetterton as well. So yeah, no, this season's been good with that car. And anybody who goes to events like the HRDC races will see see a lot of Peter Smart sunstrips. How many um, how many race cars are you preparing at any one yes. time or have built? We've built quite a few cars. We mainly yeah mainly building engines for cars at the moment. We did build. We went through um, a couple of years ago of building quite a lot of engines for the HSCC seventies road sport series. So yeah, that that's been good. I've been done quite a lot of race support over the last few years as well for customers at the HSCC meetings. So. No, that side of the business is 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 very good, and, and yeah, it's something that uh, that we enjoy doing as well. Is the is the race stuff? And are you planning to keep on racing that uh, that blue Julia, or have you got something else, another project in the pipeline? No, no, I will continue racing the uh, the blue Julia Ti. Hopefully, yeah. Uh, uh, whether I do, and I might do another one this year. We got. And one more HRDC race at Silverstone Grand Prix towards the end of October. Just thinking about whether I do that or, um, and yeah, hopefully another another foolish season next year with it. Brilliant. So let's go back to the business a, a little. You said you started off, you did the the year with Roberto and then started buying and selling. So yes. w- was that more of a, a conventional garage business, for want of a better phrase, initially? When did the, when did the motorsport preparation side of things start that's not started till more recently in terms of the motorsport side of it i would say when when uh, ian came to work for me and stuff with his background in motorsport as well so the two of us you know combined and um that's how the the sort of motorsport side of it has developed a bit more and and, and especially in terms of race support and stuff as well and you started off because of the gtv6 i think you're probably known certainly particularly for um, looking after 105 series cars. So, how how did the business develop on the on the road car side of things? Well, basically, when when I I moved down to um, Dorset, I was um, I was still just buying and selling cars and stuff, and I had sort of time on my hands when when I was waiting for the phone to ring for people to want to come <laughs> and buy cars and stuff. I was thinking, well, what do I do? So I went out and bought. I found a 105 project car and basically restored that and then sold it on and kind of long story short it was it was something that suddenly other people 
heard about that I was I was doing this, and um, it's it's sort of developed from there, as it were. We probably do about 50-50 between road car restorations and race car preparation and stuff. Okay. And and does it tend to be people coming in for full restoration or is the is the kind of basic maintenance and repair work alongside that as well? Yeah, we norm we normally have a couple of cars um in a, in at one time for full restorations. Currently we've got a, a lovely little 1600 Duetto Spider that we're doing a full restoration on for a customer alongside an Alpha Sud TI as well. So Ian's very excited about having the Sud <laughs> TI. Yeah, in. I'm sure. Bit of cross-selling for for his business there as well. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so um, no, in in terms, and then we've got we got day to day work that comes in and goes as well. I've got I've got a few localish customers, but most people that come to me they'll they'll, they'll travel from here, there, and everywhere. I've got I've had people from way up north. I've just done um, a, a a big rebuild on a customer for uh, based in up near Blackburn and stuff so and again like I've done East Riding of Yorkshire so you know my name's out there and people seem to be prepared to travel and any any particular either favorites amongst the cars that you've worked on or or unusual cars that you've worked on I've always been brought up with 105 so 105s is 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 the love love really for for the cars probably i haven't worked on anything really unusual a couple of montreals have been through my hands at one point and stuff and again i did go down the route of becoming a bit of a a bit of a specialist in 2600 spiders with one customer because he kept <laughs> he kept buying them for some reason and then getting me to fix them so i Yes, I do. I do tend to know a reasonable amount of twenty six hundred spiders, but whether that's a good or a bad thing, I don't know. <laughs> well, if you know a reasonable number, that must be quite a high proportion of all of them in the UK. <laughs> yes. Any plans for the future of the business? I mean, you're busy with two cars and and routine work and the motorsport preparation. Yeah, I mean, it it, it works it, it works quite well between myself and Ian. We, we you know it's only a small business and we can. We work really well together. He works quite well on the mechanical side of stuff, and I'm I'm a bit more of a bodywork and person and stuff. So the two of us work well together at the moment. We've you know I've got no intention of expanding and getting too big and and everything. I'm quite happy with the with the business as the size it is at the moment. I know we're all trying to forget it, but the pandemic had a an interesting effect on the the classic car industry. I think probably one that most people wouldn't have predicted in that lots of people ended up really busy. Um, how was it for you? Uh, exactly that. <laughs> it was really busy. Um, and, and it worked out really well because we had a couple of biggish, what you'd call resto mod jobs on, on a couple of 105s that we did. So it, it enabled us to actually get those completed a a little bit quicker than we'd uh, we'd, we'd hoped, so it would, that was good for the customer. Take could get his car back a bit a bit sooner than he anticipated and stuff. So um, from that point of view, the pandemic it didn't really have an effect on us. You know, we both Ian and I came in, did our work, and went home again. <laughs> didn't see anybody. And you you mentioned resto mods, which is always a, a potentially controversial area how how moddy are your resto, resto mods what, what kind of things do you do you do to bring them up to date we basically like we, we go with what the customer likes i mean i'm i'm open to whatever the customer wants on their car i i 
I don't disagree or agree with what they do. So, um, it, you know, it's down to the customer. If they want that on their car, I'm happy to do it. Again, like I'm, I'm equally happy to build someone a completely standard original car if they want as well. So I'm not bothered either way, which I love a resto mod and there's, there's great things you out there in terms of the parts and what you can build and stuff. But equally, it's also nice to build some completely original standard cars as well. And we've just completed a, a lovely little Julia 101 Spider that came to me basically in a big box of bits. And again, like we've we built that back to completely standard, a lovely original car. And anything that you haven't worked on that you would like to work on? Yeah, we're probably could be getting a bit exotic and stuff, and I'm probably <laughs> never like to see one in my lifetime. And it's a car I'd love to own as well, is is like a TZ1 or even a, a Julieta SZ. I think they're lovely little cars. Yeah, Julieta SZs, there's, there's probably more, more of them around that aren't in museums than there are TZ1s. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but uh, no, they're both both lovely looking cars, and and uh, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd love to own either of those cars as well as obviously a obviously a being a one hundred and five person, I'd love to own a real GTA if, yeah. if the opportunity arose. Obviously, like my preference, obviously relates to a lot of the old stuff. I don't, you know, as, as a business, we don't tend to do anything much past our Feta GTV sixes and stuff like that. I, I leave the modern cars to, to modern specialists to be able to fix. I, I've just never had the, the inclination to, to, to invest in all the computer diagnostics that you need for modern cars and, and stuff. So, And I guess on the 105, 116 side of things, we're probably actually at a point now where the, the numbers are, a pretty steady and if anything growing because there's still there's still a few cars coming in every year from from Europe so it's it's almost the opposite yeah. of modern cars where the number of cars on the road goes down every year your your customer base is probably growing if anything yes yeah i've yeah i've seem to be regularly each year taking on several new customers and stuff and there's there's new people who who always loved the 105 and love to buy them so yeah there, there's always seems to be new people coming into the 105 series as well as other older alphas as well so what is the setup if somebody walks yeah. into peter smart classic alphas what, what can they expect what does it look like in terms of the the workshops and setup yeah and the facilities and we've got it we've got a lovely little little a lovely little reception area that you come in we're both hands-on as much as we can be i i tend to be a little bit behind more behind the desk and and ian doing a lot of mechanical work so we've got a couple of ramps and we've got indoor facilities that we can get um, at least seven cars inside we've got obviously a lot of special alpha proper alpha special tools for the 105s which we do actually regularly use which is very good. And yeah, we've got a lot of up-to-date equipment, modern day big presses and glass cabinets and stuff. So we can do, I try and do as much restoration work in-house as I can. The only things that we don't do is painting, but I've got, I've, I've got a very good painter locally who's semi-retired who picks and chooses what he wants to do. Fortunately, <laughs> he loves doing the alphas, but he also, he does mainly high-end cars, Ferraris, Rolls Royces, Bentleys, and stuff. So, no, he's he's been a fantastic chap over the last few years to to get hold of in terms of doing the doing the paintwork on our restorations. Are there any any challenges that you have in terms of? You know, I, know, I know it's probably got better, if anything, but in terms of 
parts that you can't get, things that you have to fabricate rather than buy because you can't buy them? Restoring 105s is is relatively straightforward these days because you can buy virtually anything for those cars off the shelf one way or another it's the it's the 750 and 101 cars which we do we have restored quite a few of those and obviously panel work is non-existent for those basically so they they prove a bit more of a challenge to restore and stuff so yeah we are having to fabricate quite a bit for when we do restorations on those cars and actually the same same with our feta gtvs our feta gtvs you know they, 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 they've always been the poor relation to the 105 in terms of part supply and stuff but i mean hopefully there's uh companies out there that are moving forward with with bits so um and you talked about the fact that you uh, come over you said you have or have had recently a, a sud in the workshop is that another string to the bow in you know as well as the 105s and 116s or was that a, a one-off i guess it's not a, a huge pool of cars to work on anyway no it's it's actually not a bad sud when we because we've we've stripped it back to to a bare shell and everything and it actually doesn't need a huge amount of welding to it. it's amazing how some of these alpha suds actually have survived over the years so uh, no i mean i'm 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 saying i'm more than happy to restore anything from say alpha suds our feta gtvs but obviously our main main core is the 105s and also the older say 750 101s again like i mean we've restored a few of those over the last few years and and you know i've i've owned a julietta sprint many many years ago i loved it great cars as well i guess the other the other thing we haven't really talked about is um is the club so you talked about the fact that you got involved in the uh, the race series initially because the the club was recruiting um how how far yeah. into your alpha journey did you join the club and how how active have you been locally? I know you do things with the, the Wessex section now. Well, I, I can tell you it's my 30th anniversary this year of being a member of the Alfa Mayor Owners Club. Which is not bad out of 56. So I joined in 1992. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I would have... I would have joined, yeah, probably not long after, or probably still owning the GTV6, I think. But certainly, I, I, I remember fondly going to the uh, National Alpha days when they were at Stanford Hall and stuff. They were they were good days. Yeah, and very different kind of atmosphere, wasn't there? And lots of people selling selling parts. Yeah, and... yeah, exactly. It's when you had pro- proper old fashioned storeholders. Yeah. I remember going there with a friend who naively was trying to get a rear bumper for a uh, 75v6 and lots of people had front bumpers for 75v6s but but nobody had a rear and every time he asked them whether they had a rear as well they kind of laughed at him <laughs> and said no the reason I've got a front is because that one went off backwards into a tree which is exactly yeah. what he'd done with his <laughs> yeah that's been brilliant it's been an absolute pleasure thank you Peter that's great guy thank you very much Well, that's all for this week. We'll be back in two weeks' time on Sunday, the 2nd of October. Episode 65 will be available to download from 1.30pm from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and everywhere else good podcasts are found. Until then, stay safe. (laughs) 